And the angel Gabriel came to the Virgin Mary and told her that she should conceive. And she said unto him, I cannot receive because I know not man. The angel said, what you conceive is from God. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today is a very solemn holy day for us. We had the relics of Our Lady over on the Mary Hope of Mother's uh, altar. So you can venerate the relics. And uh, I look forward all day to this liturgy. And I want to restate for you a few things from the Gospels. First of all, Our Lady had reached the age when she was not supposed to be in the temple anymore because she had come into her womanly time and such girls were not around in the temple. They were usually married off to very just holy men. But uh, the high priest temple made an exception because they were trying to find the right man for her. And so they invited 12 men from the house of Israel, the house of Jacob, the house of David, the king, and they bought five or 12 stocks on the altar in the temple of some type of blooming flowers. So Our Lady went into the uh, temple and she stood behind the holy table, most unusual. And the 12 men were in front, out in the front of the holy table, the altar area. Zechariah prayed. And after praying, he took these 12 stocks or so, and he went down from there, and he gave them to the men, and one bloomed. So you see in the icons of St. Joseph, not this particular one, but usually he's holding a lily that bloomed. I don't know that it was lilies in the holy table there. And so he was the one. And he took Mary into his home. In the meantime, the angel Gabriel would come, announce to her of the coming of the Messiah. And she would be the mother of the Messiah. Before that, John had already been conceived by Elizabeth, but not in the temple. And uh, Mary would go to visit her at the visitation and she would <coughs> rejoice by saying, how is it that mother my Lord should come to me? These are all in fulfillment of prophecy. The Old Testament readings this evening were about fertile land, good land. 
And of course, the fertile land was they're referring to by a congregation is the mother of God. And you're familiar with Luke's gospel, two gospels we read today, one at Matins and one here. And we know that the Holy Theotokos was a very special person. A long line of royalty and prophecy and priesthood. And so it's befitting that generations have prepared by living a holy life for the birth of this young woman. And many, many women in Israel wondered who that girl was going to be who would be the mother of Messiah. No doubt the very pious would pray for that. But it was a most unusual birth. There was no pain, sorrow, or mourning. There was no blood. His fathers say that the child Jesus came into the world like light through a glass. And you know, you say, well, how is that possible? But you've got to realize that God himself is full of all sorts of energies. Creative energies and sanctifying energies. And certainly, who could cause that to happen? And she was born to a, gave this beautiful child. And Joseph was fearful. We see him in the icon here behind me. We see his being betrothed to Mary. And we see Joseph's dream. And Joseph's dream, Gabriel again says to him, do not fear taking Mary, because what is it for? It's of God. The world would be a very sad place today. It's sort of fouled up anyway. It's never been quite straightened out because we're not the best subjects of God's love. We're not living the ascetical life that we should be living all the time. And we're party people and good time trolleys and don't want to, some people don't even go to church. It's hard for the prophecies to be fulfilled in their lives. But for you pious people, the prophecies should be fulfilled. It's a magnificent thing that Mary came, gave birth to Son of God who came to earth. It changed the world. The world was fallen and lost and without hope. And we see the prophecy of Moses in Genesis, the burning bush. The bush would not be consumed and the one would come and burn the, bring the fire which appeared on the bush. Of course, we have that on the iconostas on the other end. You can take those down towards the bottom in the first panel. And that panel starts the life of Our Lady. And the ending panel is over here at her Dormition. And all of salvation history is up there on this iconostas. Not in detail, but fully there. And she was the beginning of our salvation when she said, let it be done to me according to your word. 
If she had not said those words, we'd be still without hope. But because she sent those words, Jesus Christ was born, came into the world, established his church. And that church is the church of the saints. You say, well, Father, I don't think I'm a saint. You may be a sinner, but you're tending towards sanctity. And you have that disability of being subject to original sin. But in Genesis 3.15, it says that a virgin conceived and bear a son. It said her seed will defeat Satan. Her seed will defeat the devil. And in the garden, there were two trees, the tree of good and evil and the tree of life. God put us out of the garden because we would eat the tree of life and live. But now we eat of the tree of life because Jesus Christ has come and we eat his body and blood in the holy meal of the Eucharist. Because the fathers tell us that the oven in which the bread of, of salvation was baked was the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we have to realize in the Holy Eucharist we see Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. And actually, it's Mary who gave him that body, which was glorified in heaven. And the source of that body is in heaven, too, his Holy Mother. And they pray for us still. So even the Eucharist would not be amongst us without Mary saying, let it be done to me according to your word. We, uh, you people, we holy Catholics, some of us will be the cause of salvation of many. Mary was the cause of salvation of billions because she said yes to the angel Gabriel. You can be the cause of salvation if you live close to the life of Our Lady and our Lord. You can be the cause of salvation for many if you dedicate a consecrated life to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We say in the monastic community, for sure, every monk saves at least eight people. The fathers say that. It's so very, very important. But you good people you should also live such a life of asceticism and dedication that you cause the salvation of many. In fact, we have a real problem because we are few and they are many. But you stand for thousands in your prayer, in your dedication, your love. You would think like, of course, people don't know the monasteries here actually, you would think it would be packed on such a feast day. Of course, we only have a few that come here, and we're not a parish church, but we are a place of holiness. And when Bishop Kurt came out for my 50th anniversary, he mentioned about this holy temple 
and said that miracles take place here. And I believe that. The miracles will be those who will be converted because of the faith of this monastic community. Now, who is really, I'm the abbot or the hergumen, and I sort of run, I think I run the monastery, but I think the monks run me. But anyway, who is the real head of the monastery? The hergumina, the mother of God. She likes it here because she knows that we are living a sacrificial life similar to her son's. And she knows that that type of life brings salvation to the world. On a day like today, we are so grateful to have salvation, to have these beautiful feasts, to have a heavenly mother that prays for us still. As she stood at the foot of the cross in John's Gospel and saw her son on the cross, chapter 22, there was mourning and tears. The teenage disciple John was there with her. He got frightened. He ran away, lost his cloak, and then he clothed on. But he still loved the Lord. The Lord loved John so much that he said from the cross, Behold your mother. And to Mary, Behold your son. Each one of you were baptized and chrismated and eat the body and blood of the Lord in a holy meal that she provided for you by saying yes as also his son and daughter. Stay close to her and dedicate yourself to her and realize in her friendship you have great power in heaven. See that today in Rome, the Holy Father made a prayer for the conversion of Russia, and he included uh, Ukraine in this prayer. Uh, these people are Christian. These Ukrainians, these Slavs, they're cousins. They're so close to each other. Same tribes of people. In Europe's a little bit different, especially Eastern Europe. They never went through a reformation. They never had all these. They've been in wars because of its leaders. But they're a peaceful people for the most part. And, of course, I'm, I'm from the Slovak Russians. In Mukachevo, we have a bishop and 300,000 people. Not like over here, this is a mission land for us. Those people are under great stress. And uh, the murals in the church were painted by an artist from Lviv in Ukraine, Oleg. I've been trying, I got, was talking with him pretty much till last week, now I'm not, there's no answer when I call. So we are going to uh, conclude our homily this evening by reading the prayer of our Holy Father in front of the mir miraculous mir uh, relics of Our Lady. 
What other relics of Our Lady that we have? We have a, a piece of material from her belt, her cincture. We have some scraping from the wall in the room from which she nursed our Lord. But the most valuable one is we have her hair, a little piece of her hair. I often read in the newspaper that, even in Catholic newspapers, that there are no relics of the Mother of God. That's not true. There's, there's relics here. But don't let everybody know about them. They'll probably rob us or something. We have to be careful with them. And uh, there's relics of St. Marie Maria in Rome. There's a couple other places. There's relics in, uh, probably in Russia. So most of these relics are something she touched or wore. Or Charlemagne, when he went into battle, he took five blocks, blocks, uh, bl uh, drops of blood of the Savior and five drops of Mary's milk. Very wonderful. Wonder what a relic. But things are kept quiet so that somebody doesn't jeopardize us. So I want to read that prayer. It's on the altar, and a brother will bring it to me. It's on a piece of paper there. And I want to join, the join you to join me in this prayer. First of all, we're going to say prayers for the intention of our Holy Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deny the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed be thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary. Glory be the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. To the Lord. At this hour, a weary, distraught humanity stands with you beneath the cross, needing to entrust itself to you and through you to consecrate itself to Christ. The people of Ukraine and Russia who venerate you with great love now turn to you, even as your heart beats with compassion for them and for all those people disseminated by war, hunger, injustice, and poverty. Therefore, Mother of God, our Mother, to your Immaculate Heart we solemnly entrust and consecrate ourselves, the Church, and all humanity, especially Russia and the Ukraine. Accept this act we carry out with confidence and love. Grant that war may end and peace spread throughout the world. Again, I hope that Orthodox in the silence of their hearts will also offer on March the 25th their own prayers consistent with Orthodox theology. 
the most pure mother of God for Ukraine and Russia. I believe that it would be a wonderful sign of solidarity with Catholics as children of a common mother. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis. He is fulfilling desire of Our Lady, which she made at Fatima, where she promised that there would be peace in the world and Russia would be converted if Russia was dedicated and consecrated to her. Various popes have said prayers, but this is exactly what she wanted. So we thank our Holy Father and we pray that God's mercy will flow over us. And these Slav people, they're all cousins. I have cousins in Ukraine, I have cousins in Slovakia, and we're not Ukrainian, I'm Slovak Russian, and old family of America, first family of Virginia was my mother. And I feel very much for these people. Now, who is joining us in this prayer? All the bishops of the world. Many priests are joining with their bishop in their parishes. And this should make a big mountain of prayer so that Our Lady can wave her mantle over us and save us all from disaster. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 